Welcome to another edition of Contractors Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractors Corner column that is in the back of our magazine and on our website, so make sure you look for our featured solar contractor in our October-November issue. In this episode, we're talking with Andrew McCullough, founder and president of Austin, Texas-based Meridian Solar. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us what the origins of Meridian Solar are? Uh, when was it founded? How many people were involved in the company at its beginnings? What your philosophy is? I'd say the bug bit when I was, uh, I happened to be living in South America in the early 90s and 92, and I happened to be in Rio where the Earth Summit was going on, and I, that's kind of where I was exposed to the technology and what was going on globally with, with photovoltaic technology. And so uh, I finally made it back to the United States and finished my degree, and I wanted to learn more about it. And uh, so I went to a trade school called Solar Energy International in Carbondale, Colorado, and this was 1995 by then, and learned more about it and immediately went into the industry, went to work for a single-line distributor in Houston for about four years doing international market development and design. And while I was there, I noticed that um, we were designing the very best of systems, great designs, great components, but yet, and yet we were getting callbacks with some frequency. I wondered why that was, and I decided that it was because it was a nascent technology, and the installations weren't happening probably as well as they could because it was a new technology and the expertise wasn't out there. And so the, the analogy that I often use is that if you were to order a Mercedes kit car designed by Mercedes engineers and built with Mercedes parts, with all due respect to your mechanical aptitude, it probably wouldn't be the same. Uh, and so I decided to try to take that company in the turnkey integration direction so that they provided installation as well. And they weren't ready, and frankly, neither was the Texas market. But that didn't stop me, and so that's when I hung out uh, my shingle as Meridian Solar. And um, you're talking to the, the only employee <laughs> in those days, chief cook and bottle washer. And uh, we've grown over time, of course. But in the early days, I think you asked how many uh, people there were on board. And there was just one. And the philosophy was just to make sure that we had the very best components in the very best designs and to do the installation as properly as possible, quality work, and do it right. Because uh, I was in it for the long haul, still am, and it was a nascent technology, to some it still is, and um, reputation uh, mattered a lot for the technology, not just for the company. And when did you, were you founded? The summer of 1999. Okay. For those of our listeners who aren't familiar with the Texas solar industry and the solar market, what is your service range? I know you're based in Austin. Um, how many solar customers do you estimate that potential customers add, are in that range? Yeah, well, we're headquartered in Austin, and I'm still trying to get familiar with the Texas uh, solar industry, too. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, market uh, because of its size, because of its, its own grid, because we're deregulated and regulated. We've got munis and co-ops and investor-owned. It's a complex uh, regulatory and market atmosphere, and, and just Meridian does work uh, far uh, outside of Texas. I mean, most of our work uh, is in Texas, but we've gone as far as Hill Air Force Base in Ogden, Utah, and Duke University in North Carolina. So we travel for work with some frequency, increasing frequency. So it, it's hard for me to estimate the number of customers in that range, since we work nationwide, or all of them, frankly. Um, but uh, Texas has historically not been a leader, even though it has such great potential from a rene renewable resource, a sunshine perspective. 
um, because of its low energy prices and a difficult regulatory climate hasn't been a great solar market. But that being said, like so many, it's, it's really starting to grow from the residential through to the uh, utility scale sub-markets. And, um, right. So how many customers do you have total? We have approximately 600 total installations in our portfolio over the past, what is it now, 13 plus years. Um, I would say, yeah, 450 of those plus are, are residential um, and the balance being uh, commercial for the most part. PV? Yes, uh, exclusively PV. We've done two solar thermal projects in 13 years and a couple of turbines, wind turbines here and there. We have since uh, about two years ago decommissioned our residential division and pursuits, and we're focused exclusively on um, government and public and commercial and small utility-scale uh, projects now. How many employees do you have, and how many have you added in the past three years? Right now, we're at about 25. Uh, we About three years ago, we probably had 18 on staff, and we grew to about 42, and we shrunk back to 25, and uh, that, that 18 to 42 was uh, basically due to our increased residential activities, which required um, uh, more people for that, for that uh, type of market. And also, in those days, we did everything in-house uh, for our, from our installation crews. And as you would imagine, uh, as we've scaled back uh, our team, that, that's to reflect the um, subcontractor management model that we had effectively needed to embrace when you're doing projects, even within Texas, El Paso, eight hours away, um, projects in the valley, six hours away, um, we weren't able to build the, the army and, and cost-effectively take it on the road to execute those projects totally in-house. And so we've done what so many industries have, have done, of course, and that is um, we uh, still do all of our, uh, all of our design in-house and all of our engineering in-house and procurement and we have uh, project managers and field supervisors that are able to manage local specialty subcontractors or temporary slash permanent hires. And so right now we're at 25, and, and that's why. You mentioned that, the, that in Texas it's a difficult regulatory situation. Do you feel that the state government supports the solar industry adequately? Um, and if not, how does it stand in the way of its growth in Texas? Well, as a solar advocate, of course, I... I always think there can be more, and I'm not exclusively alluding to incentives or rebates. In fact, I, I think that Texas could do a lot simply to re remove some of the hurdles, uh, low-cost, no-cost regulatory fixes. But as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of a complex picture because it's its own grid. We're a, uh, a patchwork of munis and co-ops and um, investor-owns, and some are deregulated where third-party ownership is okay. Some aren't. Each and every one of them has its own separate interconnection protocols and net metering concepts. Um, some great, some very bad. Uh, and so, as an old well driller in West Texas told me once, each one's a different kind of cussing, which basically means you got to figure out how each one is going to happen, each installation, I mean, uh, within any given area. And um, we've got some, some small regulatory positive uh, indicators here, such as a, a property tax exemption that is um, local... Pro uh, Taxing authorities can't increase the value of your property for the for the sake of a solar installation. That may almost be damning with faint praise, but um, homeowners' rights are now a little better enhanced because of a recent bill that 
uh, makes it such that homeowners associations can't automatically preclude the installation of a, of a solar system, be it PV or thermal. So, and, and these to people in certain markets listening, like California, probably seem laughable, but they're small steps for us. So, and, and they reflect largely uh, why we've been traveling, why we've gone to Utah, and why we've gone to North Carolina and, and Arkansas to do projects. But uh, that being said, there are some very progressive pockets. It's a big state, so there are a lot of different sub-markets. And San Antonio's done a lot with PV. City of Austin has done a lot with PV um, and thermal, both in both cases. And uh, North Texas Encore, TXU Utility in North Texas has uh, has some programs. They're um, they're not there's not a lot of visibility into their uh, consistency, and um, but they are they are programs that that, that do incentivize the um, the markets, the local submarkets. But Texas, the legislature meets every two years, and they um, they really haven't uh, they haven't done anything really groundbreaking to facilitate matters for our industry. So, but we, we keep we keep working with them, and I think uh, I'm ever ever the optimist, and I think that. Texas, particularly as it begins to evaluate its water resource or lack thereof and its its exponential population growth due to double from 2000 to 2050, I think the, the legislature is going to start to evaluate energy production technologies such as PV that use no water uh, in a much different light. It does sound, from what you just said, that it is a very difficult regulatory place to be. How do you operate in, in a regulatory atmosphere like that? Well, <laughs> with grit, determination, passion for the technology, and incremental successes. You know, the Homeowners Association bill, that was a success. Um, and, you know, the, the solace I often fall back on as a PV advocate, even in Texas, is that um, the cost decline in the technology's implementation juxtaposed with utility retail rates, which are neither stable nor declining, means that bit by bit, despite the best efforts of any regulators or any opponents to the technology, the technology is making inroads and is, is gaining headway. And I, I think, to be perfectly, to be fair, uh, the, the local sub-markets of, of Austin, which was great for us for a while, and San Antonio and, and North Texas, those, those have um, certainly fueled growth. Um, for our company, not quite as much as one single effort, which was the uh, ARRA or stimulus bill, which, interestingly enough, despite what you may have heard in some recent election cycles, uh, actually did a, quite a bit for um, our, our industry and the technology and putting people to work in Texas and and just finished doing so for us last week. We finished our last ARRA-funded project just last week, and I think that will be our last, but we've... Uh, you know, we may have 25 people that are full-time on staff, but we hired twice that many people for an AARA project on a naval installation in South Texas for over a year. I think it was a good thing. And um, so that's that's how. Just conviction about the technology's promise and about um, some singles and doubles and little victories along the way. Are you allowed to say that you like the Recovery Act in Texas? <laughs> well, there's an old saying, uh, when you leave Austin, you're back in Texas. So I can say it as long as I'm in Austin. What's the thing you enjoy most about being in the solar industry? I'm glad you asked that. I probably don't think about that often enough uh, in the day-to-day grind. But I think uh, the fundamental feeling that I get about knowing that, uh, that I'm making things better, that what we're doing is improving the picture. We're installing 
systems that continue to give. They, they, they require no more, okay, a little bit of O&M, but no more fuel input. No more, once they're up and running, no more regulation and course correction to address market prices. It's, we put it in, and it goes, and it goes for a very long time, and it's making things better. It's allowing people and businesses and facilities to become more energy independent with a clean source of power, a renewable source of power, and we're putting people to work doing it. And so I think it's, it's, it's that. So you, Andrew, are king of the solar industry for a day. What's the one thing you would change about it? I kind of want to get uh, everyone rowing in the industry in the same direction. You know, it seems like there's too much infighting between manufacturers and nations. Well, I'm not going to be too Pollyannish. Let's just keep it national. But between manufacturers and distribution and integrators, and I feel like really rowing in the same direction and kind of correcting some of the – one of the things I don't like about the, the, the technology is how it's uh, treated in in – in some forms of media and in some conversations, often political, it's a target, it's a shuttlecock that's hit back and forth. It's held up as a great symbol of green jobs and planet-saving technology, and it's also slammed as just a, a boondoggle and money pit. And really, it's just energy. It's another form of energy. And it's not an us-and-them mentality when we're talking about PV versus thermal versus wind versus non-renewables. It's, they're all forms of energy, and I really wish we would just get on the same page as a, as a nation, I'm digressing here because I, I know you didn't give me king of the world title. You just gave me king of the solar industry title. But um, I really think that uh, if I could be king of the world, it would to be to get solar to have that recognition and level the playing field uh, for it as a, as a, as a, as a energy resource that has its place in the mix. It's not an us and them mentality. And then within the industry, I'd say it's not, it's not us, and, us and them either. We all need to row in the same direction and do what's best for the technology's proliferation. Is that what you would say you enjoy least about being in the solar industry? Yeah, I kind of, yeah. It's, it's that, um, is, is, is the divisiveness and also how the technology is, is trotted out for better or worse. And in, in almost, in too many cases, it's misrepresented. And it really just needs to not be held up as, as, as something uh, totally negative or totally bad. It's it's a viable energy source and its rightful place in the mix. Um, that almost sounds too much like predestiny, but um, it, it has an appropriate place in the mix. It has some issues and it has some attributes, and uh, just like any of them do, all of them do, frankly. And so I want special treatment, but I don't want it to be treated as something special. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Uh, what's the most important piece of technical advice that you would offer your peers? Just do it right. I think installation is if my peers are in the integration the downstream uh, the design and installation the engineering and construction part of the industry then I would say to all of them just make sure you keep doing it right manufacturing is trying to nail it as tight as possible um, it's our job to make sure that those products are integrated in the projects as best as possible and that means from the engineering and uh, and the installation these are long life cycle projects we are not installing something and walking away from the technology in two years and replacing it. These things are going to be out there for three decades, and so do it right because that reputation of that system will go on to feed the industry. Even if you're in, you know, I probably wouldn't consider them peers if they're in a pump and dump regime where they're just trying to get in and get some dough and get out. But uh, I really would hope that everyone would focus on the long-term value proposition of the technology and the long-term value proposition of uh, what its appropriate treatment does for the industry and your own bottom line. 
do it right. So as the president and founder of Meridian Solar, you've obviously gone through the whole business cycle setting up the business. What's the most important business lesson that you've learned since you've been in solar? Probably two neck and neck. One is, um, depending upon which hat I'm wearing, the fundamental one is, is hire the right people and let them do their job. I guess I'm, yeah, I would say hire the right people and let them do their job. It's, uh, I'm not the type of uh, entrepreneur who is a control person and really had to have every aspect of the business. There's a place for that. I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but when, when it is time to bring people on board because you need help and everyone who's, who's going to be successful in, by whatever measure it um, will, just make sure you, you get good people because they, they are you know, sometimes I'll be introduced as this is the guy that runs Meridian. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. A lot of people run this company, and uh, we've got a great team. But number two is cash flow. Watch your cash flow. <laughs> That's probably Entrepreneur 101, but uh, I-, I learned it uh, not in the school. I learned it in hard knocks and not always in the best way, but cash, just cash flow. Make sure the business um, is, is going to be around to do what it needs to do, and it's, uh, it's, it's something that can sneak up on you. So as you, I want you to get out your crystal ball now, Andrew. <clears throat> Where is the solar industry going to be in five years? Again, got into this in, I guess, in 95, summer of 95, and I've, I've, I've been optimistic about its promise ever since. But I would like to, I'd like the record to show that I feel like I've been somewhat validated or vindicated because there is more installed capacity today than there was then, and there has been more in any given year of the past 16 years uh, than there was the year prior. So things are going in the right direction, and I think that trend's going to continue. I think there's going to be more solar, and I think it's going to be more mainstream, that it is going to, it is going to get to that place that I, I want it to be, where it's, it's a, a more known and accepted part of the energy mix. No, it's not firm. You can't turn it on. Yes, you can turn it off. Yes, it's great in a distributed format, better than any other, but no, it has its limitations in certain climates and areas. So that's that's kind of where I think it's headed, and so, uh, and, and I've seen a lot of progress in that, in that regard. It, it's mainstreaming. I mean, I can remember conversations not too long ago, the classic solar thermal versus electric, and I still get those questions, but people are becoming more familiar with the technology, and I think that's because it's gaining a credible foothold and because it's um, becoming more mainstream. So if people want to find out more about Meridian Solar, uh, where would they find the information? I would like to ask them to wait for about three weeks um, because that's when our uh, marketing director has told me that the new website will launch. And then I'd say go to meridiansolar.com and you'll find out everything you could possibly want to know uh, in a beautiful format about Meridian Solar. Uh, you could go there now, and I think it's perfectly acceptable and it should should tell the story, but I, uh, I'm hoping it'll do a lot better in three weeks. Meridiansolar.com is the website. This has been another edition of Contractor's Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers just like you. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractor's Corner column in the back of our print magazine and on our website, so make sure you look for our featured solar contractor in our October-November issue. Thanks to Andrew McCullough, founder and president of Austin, Texas-based Meridian Solar, for taking the time out of his schedule to talk to us. I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Stay sunny.